Welcome back to the Mike Dillard Podcast, where entrepreneurs like you get the knowledge and skills that you need to bring your dreams to life. Well, gang, today we're going to talk about one of my favorite investment strategies for entrepreneurs. Now, as your business and your wealth start to grow, you're going to realize at some point that making money is actually easier than keeping money. Why is that? It's because the habits, mindset, and behaviors that allowed you to make that money, like taking risks, are the exact opposite of what you need to keep and grow it. And what's really interesting is that entrepreneurs tend to think that investing is the same thing as saving. They think that taking that extra 50000 you have here, that extra 100000 you have there, and investing that into other companies or startups is going to somehow magnify your wealth. And while there is a chance for that, I can tell you from experience that that's rarely the case, even though it might feel like a similar activity. So what can you do to ensure that you don't take unnecessary risks and that you're setting yourself up to achieve your final one true goal, which is financial freedom? Well, the first is to become aware of this trap to begin with. And second is to invest your money in ways that will protect and grow that money conservatively. Now, right now, we are overdue for a stock market crash. We are in the middle of the longest bull run in history, and we're hitting new all-time highs on the market, which means one thing. A crash is on the way. It might take place in a few months or a few years, but every single day that goes by brings it one step closer. The good news is that right now, you have a chance to do something about it and to protect your wealth, which is exactly what my guest here today, Mr. Patrick Donahoe, and I are going to teach you how to do. What we're going to show you is an investment strategy that has the power to completely change your life. And in my opinion, it is tailor-made for entrepreneurs. It's going to help protect you against those habits and risk-taking tendencies that are a part of your DNA. So please pay attention, take some notes, and please help me welcome Mr. Patrick Donahoe. My good friend, Mr. Patrick Donahoe, welcome to the podcast. Hey, what's up, Mike? It's awesome to be here. Yeah, yeah, it's been a long overdue. And we've got a few people who are listening to this who might know your name and who might recognize you. And that's from the fact that you did one of our amazing classes for the MikeDiller.com platform, formerly Self Made Man. But you've got one of the best classes on there when it comes to investing and wealth protection and wealth production when it comes to the infinite banking strategy. And you and I have known each other. All the way back since the Elevation Group days, so 2010 ish, 2011. And you've been just, you know, an amazing expert when it comes to this specific strategy, which I want to help introduce everybody to who's listening to this episode. And I can't think of uh, anyone better to help me do that. So thanks for joining us. No, it's my, it's my pleasure. Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been awesome to follow you, Mike, and, and what you've done since, you know, the Elevation Group days. You're always on on top of all the the entrepreneurial trends and mindset, and uh, it's awesome just to see how you've developed and grown over the years. I you know, I consider you a mentor and just appreciative of all the stuff, all the content you put out there, and uh, and what you're doing for other entrepreneurs and small business owners. Cool, thank you, brother. Appreciate that. So, you know, one of the big challenges that every entrepreneur is going to face once they start making money is figuring out what they're going to do with that money (laughs) Um, besides buy the Lambo and the Ferrari deal, right? So (laughs) we got introduced to this strategy after the market crash of 2008. And that's why I started the Elevation Group way back then. I was like, I need to figure out the investing side and the money side of life. 
and whatever was working before 2008 is really no longer relevant. The world had definitely changed, and I was looking to figure out what to do with the money my business was making that the rich were using. Essentially, what were the strategies that the rich were using with their money and not the the retail financial markets that are traditionally talked about with 401ks, IRAs, mutual funds, and all of that stuff? And this is one of the strategies that I came across that was absolutely amazing, especially for entrepreneurs because of the benefits that it provides. And I'm going to obviously have you go through that. But if you could take us through your story for a little bit and how you got involved in this world, because I remember when we first met, you were you were working from home and today you've got a massive office with tons of agents and brokers and you guys have just really blown up. It's one of those it's one of those journeys which I think is familiar to most entrepreneur entrepreneurs. I mean, you 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 read a book, it changes your mindset and you know, there there you go off on a a course that you never anticipated. So that was me. I mean, I was I was doing an internship at the Hartford, Connecticut public school system. And uh, my buddy gave me Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And so I found myself reading that in the lunchroom of this board of education, a teaching job, because that's the kind of the path I wanted to pursue. That's what my parents did. And, you know, it, it changed everything for me. I, I had a new context for, for life. You know, I, I graduated, you know, appeased my, my parents and my, my, my grandfather that passed on that, you know, left money for, uh, for school for me. You know, so I finished with a degree in economics. But I always had this, I had this entrepreneur bug that was like planted in my, in my soul. So, you know, I, I was searching, you know, searching for business. So I would, you know, got into to sales. I worked in a call center, debt consolidation company. Uh, but when I, when I graduated, you know, I, uh, I did not want to go down the, the typical path. And, and so, you know, I, I sought out mentors. I read a ton, read way more than I ever read in, in school, you know, and, it, you know, it brought me to this, this point where I met, uh, Robert Kiyosaki, the author of Rich Dad Poor Dad, his original financial planner uh, named Kim Butler, and she's the one that, that taught me about this financial financial concept. And since then, it's been incredible. I mean, I, I started a business. I think you knew this, but you know, one of your former guests, Garrett White. So he was one of my original business partners, and I started you know started with a couple others as well. And then the you know the whole financial crisis wiped wiped us out. And then is where I, I really started to see the power of what I had discovered because you had successful business owners and entrepreneurs that had achieved these high levels of success and they were wiped out by their investments or, or heavily affected by their investments and the lack of performance of their investments. And so that's where I kind of made the connection between you know what this, this strategy is and how foundational it is for all small business owners or, or entrepreneurs, because it, it helps mitigate the ride of an entrepreneurial journey. Yeah, no, without a doubt. I mean, I've been personally using this for a decade now, and we'll get into all the, all the benefits and reasons why you and I are both big fans of this. And let's just start from the top. You know, it goes, this strategy goes by a couple of names, a 770 account, infinite banking, cash flow banking, but walk us through what this is all about. It's a strategy that's been around for a, a long time, and it goes by by different names because nobody really wants to call it what it really is. Uh, it seems like because it has a has a stigma, but it's it's dividend paying whole life. Uh, so it's an insurance policy, but it's set it's set up to comply with an IRS ruling, and it was the the only time that insurance was uh, regulated from a tax perspective. 
But what the IRS did is they they limited the amount of money you can put into uh, in insurance. And, and it was because of how incredible the, the tax benefits are. So that was in the late 80s, hasn't changed since. Uh, but the idea of infinite banking or cash flow banking is some of the features that the policy has, which is unlike other financial products, where it's kind of like it, it is a savings account. It has tax benefits associated with it. But one of the provisions that is in, incredible is a, a guaranteed line of credit. So the insurance company where you store your cash, store your savings. They're going to pay you interest. They're going to pay you a dividend, but they allow you to borrow from them against the value of your, of your savings, of your cash. And so the idea of infinite banking is that these loans are, you know, they're not collateralized by anything other than the, the actual underlying policy. And you can use it for literally anything, you know, and then also the provisions of paying it back, the terms are incredibly flexible. It's you know interest only, and they bill you interest uh, once a year, and you can defer into future years. So it's a product that's perfect, especially for you know the entrepreneur uh, entrepreneur life, because it allows for you know like a forced savings, right? You're putting money away every single month or every single year, but then when you want to use your cash, you essentially use the loan provision to you know fund a marketing campaign, hire an employee join a mastermind group. And then there's this built-in discipline or accountability of paying it back over the course of time, you, you know, based on what you've invested in. So let me give, let me give everybody my 50,000-foot overview of this and why I think it's so important. You know, One of the first podcasts we ever did three or four years ago now was with Mark Ford. If you haven't heard that episode, go back and listen to it. Mark is uh, one of my mentors, he's one of the most successful direct response marketers in history. He's one of the partners of Stansberry Research and was Porter Stansberry's mentor. And I had a chance to go sit down and record a lesson with Mark many, many years ago. And then I had him on the podcast. And he said something that I'll never forget. He said, Mike, the way an entrepreneur builds wealth and gets rich is through their business. It's by making money through sales and revenue. When it comes to keeping money, your priority from an investment standpoint is to not take any risks with that. And that was a really big mind shift for me because when you grow up, you know, as I did with two very hardworking parents and you know, kind of the upper middle class, if you will, their only hope of becoming wealthy or financially free was to take risks with the money that they made from their salaries. Right. And so that's how the middle class gets wealthy. But from an entrepreneur's perspective, we get wealthy through business. And the investing side is actually where things can blow up. Because if we apply our risk taking nature to the investment world, it usually ends poorly. <laughs> yeah. And so I watched, you know, my parents and, and that whole generation lose half of their wealth when the market crashed in 08. And I was like, okay, I know what I'm not going to do now. But what can I do with my money moving forward that takes into an event like that, that takes an event like that into account? And one of my first priorities was to take Mark's uh, advice into account as well. And it's like, okay, well, I'm making a lot of money with my business. I need to invest it. I need to do something with it, or it's just going to get eaten away by inflation. What can I invest it in that has a good measure of return, but that's not going to be affected by a stock market crash? And the reason I wanted to bring Patrick on 
right now is because we're overdue for a stock market crash. This is the longest bull run in U.S. stock market history. We're hitting new all-time highs. And those are big, giant red flags that were in a bubble that could pop at any moment now. It could be this year. It could be next year, two years from now, whatever it may be. But it's certainly closer to us today than it was a few years ago. And so now it's time to start thinking about that and being really smart with your money. And as I did my research, this infinite banking strategy is one of the top methodologies or strategies that I found that provided a whole host of benefits that I couldn't find anywhere else. And so I'm going to, Patrick, I'm going to have you go through a few of these and expand on what I'm about to share. But an infinite banking policy, as Patrick said, is a, a whole life insurance policy that's structured in a very specific way. This is not something that you go to call up your life insurance agent and say, hey, I want a whole life policy. That's not what this is. You want to work with someone who specializes in this strategy like Patrick if you're going to use it. But the bottom line is that it's crash-proof. So all of the money that you're putting into this account, you're probably making 3, 5, 6, 7% interest a year on it, which is a nice steady return. It's not the best in the world, but it's definitely better than a, a bank account, you know, savings account that's paying you 0.25% interest per year. And the good news is that when the stock market does crash, the money in your account doesn't move, doesn't go down. In fact, usually your returns start to go up at that point. And the next really big benefit to this is that you can use it in a specific way to retire tax-free, meaning that if you're putting money into this policy for 20, 30 years, it grows into a, a nice big pile of cash. Whenever you decide to retire, and this is up to you, it could be at 55, it could be at 65, whenever you can start to pull this money out of your account completely tax-free. And that's uh, another reason that Tom Wheelwright likes this strategy as well. It's a part of uh, building tax-free wealth. So Patrick, that's kind of my 50,000-foot overview on this. Take us through it in a more detailed level. Well, I'll, and I'll reiterate a couple points and then get into the, the details. You know, th this is, it's interesting to me that, you know, there's uh, this mindset out there that wealth is created by something out, outside of you. And with you know, Mark, Mark Ford's books, you know, whether it's him writing or Michael Masterson, his, his pen name, you know, it, it is a, a common theme throughout all of them is that, you know, you are your, your greatest investment, you are your greatest asset, and that's where wealth is going to occur. But it's interesting to see that, that individuals try to, you know, use real estate or trading or markets to build their wealth as opposed to uh, investing in themselves and building business, becoming more valuable. So this, you know, going into the actual product itself and, and the strategy, I would say it magnifies that idea uh, because what it does is it, it protects mindset because the greatest tool that an entrepreneur has is their mind, is their ability to think, their ability to be creative and doing whatever it takes to have, you know, your, your mind in the best place because that's where the ideas are going to come from that'll make you wealthy. So the idea associated with, you know, infinite banking Right in this insurance policy is that it, it has a hundred years of track record, never, never losing, and there's been dividends paid out throughout each of those uh, hundred years. Now, this isn't a product that's going to make you wealthy. Okay, however, what it does is it gives you a better return than most long-term investments, a better return than savings accounts for short-term investments, but also gives you uh, access to that money through the uh, the loan provision. 
So the growth of the growth of this asset is is tax is tax free. So you're not paying any income tax on it. You're not paying any uh, capital gains tax on it. It's also private. You know, it doesn't exist on any public record, and it's also protected from uh, creditors in most states, and also protected in in the event of uh, of divorce. Okay, as it's not uh, typically used as an asset that is distributed in the in the divorce decree. So there's there's so many of those types of benefits that protect mindset associated with worst case scenario. You're not going to lose any money. You're going to get a return that is oftentimes better than the long term return. You know, it, there, there was a it was interesting. A couple of days ago, I got this uh, inquiry by by this financial publication company, and they had done this analysis of the S and P, the, the Standard and Poor 500, and the risk adjusted return. And so what that means is that you know the, the amount of risk you have to take to get the long term return the S and P is going to give you okay, is is really high. And then they you know we essentially did a very similar risk adjustment model to infinite banking or the returns that this dividend paying life insurance will produce. And it's like hundreds of times better from a risk standpoint, meaning the return you get for the amount of risk that's taken is astronomical. It's one of the best that's, uh, that's out there. But it's, again, going to the, the point of you have this certainty associated with what you're going to get. You're guaranteed a line of credit. You're guaranteed a return. You have privacy you have creditor protection and and so but i also believe that with an entrepreneur you know they 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 make money they make good money in some years they have kind of those correction years themselves and the ability to continue to save and to continue to stock away your war chest i think is important because you know in in the end you know if you have a million dollars that's in your reserve versus 100 dollars in your reserve and you're trying to make a business work think about how that affects mindset and so looking at where you store your reserves, where you store your cash, it's really important to ensure that it's a, it's a place that you can count on, a place that gives you that feeling of, uh, of certainty. But I'd also say, Mike, and, and, this, is, and this is me, you know, with, with kids, with a family, with business partners, you, know, you, you want to have that kind of insurance or safety net as well. So it gives you, you know, like critical, critical and chronic illness uh, protection. There's a death benefit in the event you know that uh, something drastic happens and you're able to have that as a, you know essentially a tool to pay off your debts to settle in a state to provide for you know the well-being of your of your kids or your spouse so you have all of those benefits attached to it as well what's amazing is that it's all within you know one strategy and one one product and as you mentioned you know you just don't you, you can't find it in anything else well, any other <laughs> any other product i mean just think about it think about what you just shared versus investing in the stock market <laughs> where you have none you of those one thing. advantages. <laughs> well, you don't even get you, you. You get the chance at capital appreciation, the chance yeah. at that, yep. and also an equal chance of losing that. And then you get taxes, and then you get exposure to creditors and to lawsuits and to divorces. You don't get anything compared to compared to this strategy, and that's where I, I'm hoping people are starting to like have a light bulb go off and be like, holy shit, okay, I, I really need to pay attention to what's being said here. So walk us through you know, a traditional return uh, on an annual basis. And again, this is, this is adjusted based on how the insurance company is investing the principal and making a return back on it. But the nice part again is that there's a essentially guarantee of no loss. 
you might make 1% a year, you might make 5% a year, but you're, you're not going to go into the negative. But what, what on average should be expected? And it's interesting because it relates to the, the kind of research I did a few, a few days ago based on the whole risk adjusted return example I just gave. And it, you know, the, the average returns of these mutual companies, the dividends that they pay out, it, it has averaged over the 20, uh, 20 years, uh, about six and a half, six and a half percent. And you, you look at how that's broken down though, and that's what's interesting. So there is, there is a guaranteed, there's a guaranteed credit and that guaranteed credit is typically assessed at four, 4%. It's actually going down to three and a half percent for new policies starting, uh, I believe next year. And then it, these companies that uh, offer this type of product, they are what are called mutual companies and mutual companies are not publicly traded. They are owned, it's kind of like a credit union. They're own, owned by those that own this type of insurance policy. And so their profits at the end of the year, which comes from their investments, which comes from just the other types of insurance that they sell, they essentially take those profits and distribute those on a pro rata basis across all the, all the policies. And so what happens is you know, every, every single year, you have that assurity that you're going to get you know, the 4% uh, guarantee, uh, and then there's a dividend paid on top of that. Now, these are, these are gross returns. I don't want to get into you know, how insurance companies do this, but they have kind of a, a, uh, an adjustment based on your age and your health rating and so forth, which you know, uh, nets out at around uh, probably 4 four to 4.5% four if you're over 50 and about 5% right now if you're, uh, if you're under that. And, and this is some of the lowest uh, dividend periods uh, of time, uh, just because of how low interest rates uh, have been and, uh, and also just given longevity. And that's why they're adjusting some of the way that, ways they do the math, because people are living longer. I mean, go back to you know, the, the only reason why we know about the Rockefellers having you know, whole life and having insurance as a foundation of their entire family office and their, their financial strategy is because back in the day, John D. Rockefeller's policy actually paid out before he died. Okay, because there's this period of time that you're covered up to, uh, and it was, uh, I believe, 80 at the time. Today, it's 121 years old because it's adjusted over the course of time just because of the increase in longevity. Now, it's actually going up even higher. And so, they're, they're always adjusting, adjusting for that. But nonetheless, it's, you know, these are companies that know what they're doing. They're professional investors. They're professionals at assessing risk. And they've been profitable for a really, you know, really long time. There's really smart people behind the uh, behind the wheel or at the helm, and you know, and they're they're not trying to create these, you know, huge wins. They're trying to get that five, six, seven percent per year for you know forever, and that's why they've been you know so successful because they have a tried and true investment uh, methodology, and you and I and whoever owns these type of policies gets to uh, gets to benefit from it. So let's talk a little bit about the the loan mechanism because that's one of the most attractive features of this strategy as well. And there's two there's two ways that most people use it. So one we used to refer to it as uh, a bullet fund. So let's say you accumulate two hundred fifty thousand dollars in in cash value into this policy, and you want to buy a house. So traditionally you'd have to go out and you'd have to apply for a mortgage and go through this god awful process these days that you know, can take weeks and weeks of time and that are incredibly invasive, ultimately to pay a bank a bunch of interest. 
Well, with this strategy, you can take a loan out against that cash value in your policy, let's just say $200,000, and use that cash to then go buy your house. And Patrick, the what is the the payback interest rate usually? What is it? 1%, 2%? Yeah, that's the de- that's the the delta, right? So the di- the difference between what you're what you're earning and what you're what you're paying. So right now it, it depends on you know depends on age and so forth, but it's a, it's it's about par. So if you look at you know the interest you're paying back, it's going to be around uh, that four and three quarters five uh, percent level, and uh, and that's interest that goes to the insurance company. But remember, it's it's them loaning you their money, right? Because your your money is is with them, of course, right? But it's it's not necessarily touched when you take a loan. Okay, they lend you their other money. Okay, from their other assets, their other cash, their other you know other activities, and you're essentially paying them back, and that provides you know profit to them. Uh, at the same time, you have to look at where profit is distributed, right? And that is where it's distributed to you know those who own uh, policies in the form of a dividend, because it wouldn't be fair, right? Because if they're lending money at you know zero, and they're not earning any money off of it. Then those that don't have loans are going to be negatively impacted. So that's why they charge an interest rate associated with their loans, uh, because that's money that they could have invested and earned uh, interest on that would have benefited your dividend and benefited your, in, you know, from an interest perspective. So the loan, right? It, it's still, you know, as far as the interest rate is concerned, an, incre- an incredibly low interest rate, okay, four and three quarters right now to to five percent. And it, but if you really assess the characteristics of the loan, like you mentioned, Mike, it's like you go to a bank and you try to get a mortgage, and you know it's a it's a thirty day, forty five days, sixty day process. Sometimes okay? these are loans that you can get essentially in a in a day, and there's no no necessity to actually explain what you're using it for either, right? It's just basically, do you have the money? Yes. Okay. Where do you want it? Where do you want it sent? So let me let me uh, go over this real quick for people again. And let's say you've got two hundred fifty thousand dollars in cash value in this policy, and you want to take out a loan for two hundred of that to go buy a house. So that two hundred fifty thousand dollars is still in your account, right? It's still earning five six percent a year return. The bank's going to give you that two hundred grand that's essentially secured against your two hundred and fifty in cash. That's why they're happy to give it to you, and they don't care what you're using it for because. You know, if you ever default on it, they're just going to take it out of your cash balance. Exactly. So they're going to give you that 200 grand in a day or two. And then you're going to pay them interest back at, let's say, 4%. Right. So you're making five to six percent on your 250K. You've got your loan that you're, you've now bought your house with. And now you're paying them back 4%. So you're still making a positive arbitrage of 2% on your money. If you were to have, taken $200,000 out of your savings account and given that to a bank to go buy that house. Now you're still paying them 4 to 5% in interest, but that 200000 is gone. It's no longer in your account. You're not making interest on that. If it, Maybe it was in your E-Trade account. Maybe it was in your 401k, whatever it may be. You had to extract that money. You can't take it out in the form of a loan. So you get to have your cake and eat it too, which is, uh, which is really neat here. Now, let's talk about how this gets really, really interesting and really lucrative when it comes to retirement. Let's say you're in your 60s and you've got a million dollars in cash value in that policy now, and you want to quit work. You don't want to work anymore. What can you do in that circumstance? Well, that's what's 
you know, what's incredible is that they're the, the only tax legislation, you know, the tax issue associated with the policy is is based on how much you you fund relative to the actual coverage amount. And that money grows and there's no issue with the tax as far as uh, taking it out and when you can take it out and how much you can take out because it all comes out tax free. So how it how it works is as it grows over the course of time, okay, it's not correlated to the market. It's growing tax free. And then at the time when you decide to retire, you can annuitize it, uh, which means you can have a, a steady stream of income that's that's paid out at an equal amount over the course of time. You can take uneven distributions uh, as well and supplement your other income streams. But like like I mentioned, and like you mentioned, Mike, it it comes out uh, tax free. Now there's a, a slight you know uh, issue associated with how you do it because up to that point, you know, we teach individuals to use the loan provision. Okay, take out a loan, then you pay it back. Uh, then take out another loan, pay it back. When you go to retirement, instead of taking a loan, you actually take a withdrawal. You actually uh, withdraw cash value, and that money comes out tax-free until you hit what's called your basis, which is the amount of money you've put into the policy up to that point. Once you hit your basis, if you were to continue to make a withdrawal, it would be taxed at ordinary income levels. However, that is when you switch to taking a loan. When you take a loan, again, there's no tax on it. This is the point in time where there's no, you know, there's no tax because it's a it's a loan and you're not going to be paying it back either. So it's going to be somewhat different than previous. But insurance companies, what they've done is they've built in this idea that when you start to take those loans, it's going to be a tax-free, you know, tax-free event. You're not even reporting any of that money. Uh, on your tax return, will it be a liability? Yeah, it, so it's a it's a liability, and then the insurance company is also, you know, depending on where dividends are at, you'll you'll never have a loan interest rate that is higher than the actual crediting rate. Right. So therefore, you're never going to get you know this this event where you're earning less than you're paying on the interest of the loan. So that's where it allows you to be, you know, tax free indefinitely. Uh, now, obviously, you know, it depends on how much cash you have, uh, but there's also a strategy in which you can use it, not necessarily as an annuitized steady stream of income, but you can preserve some of it for your legacy. Because most people at that point in their life, you know, will have their home paid off, they'll, you know, have other property paid off, and they're, they're intending on using that to, uh, to pass on to the next generation. But if you look at the efficiency there, you know there there isn't much and that's where you know there's strategies where you can use you know reverse mortgage there's strategies to be able to to leverage those other assets and then dedicate the policies or policies as the vehicles that will actually pay out to the next generation so it really depends on where you're at at that point in life it's just really it's just a really cool strategy so especially for entrepreneurs this is something that i like to think of as like the ultimate supercharged saving strategy Again, to be really, really conservative, to start socking money away every single month automatically. You can decide however much you want to contribute. It could be a thousand a month. It could be ten thousand dollars a month, and and just start building up this really secure nest egg. And the next, guess what? The next time the stock market crashes, you don't care. Like your 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 savings is not going anywhere. It's not going down. You don't have all of this money exposed to the market 
And so you're not freaking out. You're not jumping out of buildings like people were during the last crash, literally. And for an well, Mike, look at what happens during you know that during those crashes when everyone is when everyone's trying to get out, when everyone is in survival mode. That that's when those that are in the know, okay, r- real investors. That's when it's their their heyday, and, and they have yeah. cash to actually capitalize on on those opportunities. And I. You know, I look at the next the the next crash because we always have corrections and we're and we're due for one. We've been due for one for a while. Okay, but at that period of time, there's this psychology. And again, going back to what we've been saying since the beginning, it's it's about mindset. Entrepreneurs, right? They use their mindset to create opportunities. But some of the greatest opportunities are when everything's going to going to shit. And that's where I look at you know having cash, having the ability to access money allows you to have a, a even keel type of mindset. Uh, to be able to capitalize on buying businesses or buying, you know, distressed assets, because people that did that, you know, in 2009 and 2010, like crushed it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm waiting, right? Like I saw last week. Well, depending upon when this came out, but but recently, Elon Musk came out and did his whole three and a half hour live broadcast on Tesla's AI and automated driving program and, and robo taxis and all of that stuff that's coming in the next year, right? And so I'm like, oh, they're going to literally put Uber and Lyft out of business in a day. And I am like super excited about investing in Tesla stock right now, but I'm not going to until the market crashes because <laughs> I'm going to wait until there's blood in the streets and I can buy it at a 40 to 50% discount than it is today. And so that's how you have to think about it. And I have to say, you know, this is, I've lived through this three times now. So I've really learned the lesson. In a big way over the last decade. It started with the market crash in 08. Okay, there was a really big lesson that I could learn from observing what happened to other people. And then, uh, especially through crypto, you know, being involved in crypto since 2013 now, I've lived through two to three crypto bubbles. And I'm trying my best to educate people in my audience that, hey, when the market is down and it's crashed, that's when it's time to start buying. So that's what I've been doing the past few months. Is averaging into crypto positions that I have. And when the market goes back up into its next bubble, unfortunately, the average person is going to buy in when it's twenty, thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 of Bitcoin, and I'm going to be selling at that point. So you know, you've, I think you've got to live through this a couple of times before you really appreciate it. But that's the opportunity that you're going to have here. In a, and again, the next one to three years when the market crashes. So I'd be building up your bullet fund. I'd be building up cash value in a policy like this. And when the market does crash, boom, pull out some money, put it in the market. You can put it in a nice, easy index fund at that point because you're buying at a 50 potentially plus discount and you're going to double up on your returns you know, for the next 10 years after that. You know, Mike, I heard uh, there was a financial conference I went to a few, few months ago and it, one of the speakers you know, has this $150 billion hedge fund and he, you know, he wrote a book about this, the psychology of cycles, business cycles and, and market cycles. And uh, it's just, it's just fascinating, and you know some of the questions from the audience because obviously if, if you're in that environment, like you think rationally, you're not thinking emotionally. But in the actual environment itself, you know that's where all the emotions fire. It's like you know part of our biology. And it, so he was, you know, the questions from the crowd were, well, don't people know that? Don't people know like when the market crashes that that's when they should buy? Like, and he's like, no, even like the most sophisticated investors will not buy when things are like that. And he, you know, this this specific guy like bought a bunch of debt, collateralized debt obligations, uh, CDOs, 
right, right when they were at the bottom, when there was no market. But he started buying then, which took a lot of balls. Okay, but at the same time, again, it's it's the whole, you know, right now you can prepare yourself psychologically to to understand that when those things happen, having cash, right, allows you to capitalize on opportunities that just don't really exist right now. So Yeah, just remember this. If you want to end up in the 1%, you have to do the opposite of the 99%, right? So that's it. And it's having the the mental maturity, the emotional maturity, and the experience and the wisdom to do that. And it is very difficult because you're going against human nature. When human nature sees a crowd of 99 people running and screaming away from something... (laughs) It takes a very special individual to look at what they're running away from and to run towards it. And that's exactly what's happening when a market crashes or when a bubble happens or things like that, right? So that's all you really need to know is where is the overall market sentiment? What are 99% of people doing? If they're putting money into the stock market, if it's hitting new all-time highs, then now it's time to be the 1% and to start to do the opposite. Maybe you're going to get ready to short the market. Maybe you're going to start accumulating cash. Maybe you're going to sell off your stock into cash. And then you're going to wait for that market to collapse. Everybody else is going to be selling at the bottom. And that's when you're going to be buying, you know, buying when, when Bitcoin bottomed uh, here a few months ago at three grand, I was buying. I've almost doubled my money in three, three months. <laughs> so yeah, I don't, I don't know well, what else well, to we say. Well, we were getting, I, Mike, I mean, th- again, this is the, this is the sign, but I remember, you know, when, when Bitcoin was, you know, eighteen eighteen $18,000, we had we had people that were, you know, mortgaging their homes and, uh, you know, going all in on Bitcoin because they needed to double their money or else they wouldn't be able to, you know, retire. That was that was the sentiment. So, and obviously we all know what happened after that. But that's where, you know, you got to pay attention to what the, you know, collective psychology is and what's uh, what's going on. That's where all the opportunity is. But as you said, it's not the 99%, right? That's not, you know, follow those sentiments and that psychology. It's the it's the 1% psychology, which is you know, the diametrically opposed to the to the majority. Well, let's talk real quick in the time we have left about what to what to look for in the difference between these policies, right? Like I said at the very beginning, this is not something where you call up your your neighborhood whole life insur- insurance agent and say, "Hey, I want a whole life policy." This has to be structured in a certain way. Let's talk about mecking and what that is involved with, and all of that good stuff, and why someone needs to call. An individual like you who specializes in this strategy. Well, I would first I would first say the objective of of the policy and, and for this context, right? If you're if you're older and you have established assets and you're you're on the brink of retirement, it, it might be slightly different. But I'm I'm speaking to those who you know are entrepreneurs, small business owners, uh, building wealth, establishing themselves, or trying to get to the next level. But it's essentially to set the policy up with the maximum amount of cash and the least amount. Of coverage, and that's that ratio I was referring to before, which is the IRS rule. It's rule seven seven zero two. If you want to try to interpret that on the IRS website, but the the idea is to stay at that limit and not go above it, because that's when the tax benefits change and they're not as favorable. And so the idea is, you know, number one, ensuring that the policy complies with that rule. The second is use strong mutual companies. Mutual companies are private. They're not public companies. They don't have to appease shareholders. Okay, They can make the right decisions at the right time. And typically, these are companies that are not trying to swing for the fences. These are companies that you know have been around forever because they have a tried and true investment theory and methodology. 
And so it's using, you know, the the Mass Mutuals or the New York Lifes. Those are these, you know, really incredibly strong companies that have just have paid strong dividends for well over a uh, hundred years. You know, using using advisors that you know understand this is is important because the illustrations you get uh, from these are are in, incredibly complicated and they'll confuse you and you end up just relying on the individual and trusting them that they know what they're doing. And in my experience, there's very few people that are out there that really understand this concept because one of the main things associated with this whole, you know, compliance is, you know, we essentially put on the altar a lot of compensation, okay, for setting the policies up the right way. Because most advisors out there will set it up for maximum compensation. Okay. This is to set it up for maximum cash with minimum coverage, okay, which essentially, you know, re- reduces that for us. And so that's why you want to use a firm that really specializes in this and advocates it and doesn't just do it kind of like on on the side. They do it as their bread and butter. Yeah, exactly. So who is this a good fit for? How much money do you do you need to get started? Like paint a picture on who should call you and reach out to you if this is something they want to learn more about. Well, I'll first say it's not for it's not for everyone, right? This is a it's a strategy that you have to to commit some level of discipline to and actually put money aside, save it on a consistent basis, but also you know, pay back loans when you when you use them for business pers- uh, purposes or personal purposes. And so that's those are the first two things to to really be aware of. When you get past that, you know, it's really is it right for the person who's drowning in in consumer debt? Probably not. That's an indication of just you know not not necessarily the greatest uh, the greatest discipline. Now, not to say that that it won't work, but it's just an indication that you know obviously getting rid of debt would probably be more important than actually doing that doing this. But I would say for those that are saving money, you know minimums uh, depending on age. I mean. I have policies on my on my kids the, that are you know in the hundred hundred fifty dollar a month range, but you know you can do seven figures per, or eight figures per year. So there's a, a wide range of contribution capacity because that that's not regulated. The amount that you put in uh, isn't regulated. You can put in as as much as you have. So the idea is number one, I'd be di- you know really understand the discipline factor associated with it. You're going to want to be in this. For at least uh, seven seven years, that's the point at which policies are typically self sufficient and don't require any future contributions. Okay, but I would say you know for those that uh, have a degree of discipline, this is uh, it's it's a great fit for them. Uh, for a person that's holding cash, also a very good very good fit. Uh, I would say entrepreneurs that are business owners, small business owners, medium business owners that you know understand the value of capital and need it. To capitalize on on opportunities from a business perspective, it's it's right for them uh, as as well. However, you know you're going to have to most likely take money out of bank accounts, take money out of uh, markets. You're, there's going to be some adjustment to to your financial strategy, and so you know depending on the uh, the individual and and if they align with the philosophy that they're their number one asset, this could be an amazing addition to your financial life and completely change the, you know, the course of, uh, of, of your business. Even though it's not going to be, you know, like I said in the beginning, it doesn't make you wealthy. At the same time, you know, based on where you're putting money, the access to that money and the mindset that that creates, it's incredible, you know, just that slight tweak and how beneficial that can be to a business. Yeah. Again, here, we're talking to entrepreneurs. You're going you're gonna to become wealthy through your business. This is a way to preserve your wealth. 
that's what that that's what this is all about. It's it's not giving an exposure to the stock market. It's not doing anything risky with it. You know, I'd say if you've got ten thousand dollars a month, or let's just say a thousand dollars a month that you would allocate to an investment, take twenty twenty five percent of that, thirty three percent of that, and put it into this, and mm-hmm. just make this your super secure nest egg that will always be there for you in good times and bad, and it just becomes your your security your security setup. Uh, for your financial independence. So awesome, brother. Well, where can uh, folks go meet you? And by the way, I'm going to plug the class we did because I think that's where everybody should start. If you want to learn more about this and jump in and watch myself and Patrick walk th- walk through what we we just kind of taught you about it, but in much more detail on a whiteboard, go to MikeDillard.com and look for the class that's titled How to Build Your Wealth with Infinite Banking uh, with Patrick Donahoe. Right, guys, you can go pick that up for $5 today. It is, gosh, probably one to two hours long. And we're going to do this over again for you on a whiteboard in much more detail so that you can get a real full understanding of that. Ideally, it's worth $5 to you. Uh, <laughs> it should be a lot more than that, but we're doing a little marketing experiment right now. So you can pick it up for just five bucks. Hey, Mike, what I'll, what I'll do is I'll give you... Because you graciously did a a blurb for the book I came out with last last year and I'll I'll give a PDF version as well as the audiobook and we can you know put it in that put in that course if you think that would be valuable to listeners. Yeah, cool. That'd be great. Awesome. So in addition to picking up the class over at mikediller.com, if they want to reach out to you Patrick directly, where can they go? Uh, probably the best website right now is uh, is the book website, so it's uh, headsortailsiwin.com. And there, there's you know, there's a you can reach out, reach out to us, make you know a request for a consultation. You can uh, there's a study guide on there that has a number of videos and tutorials in addition to what what's on uh, your website, Mike. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, Patrick, always great to chat with you, brother. Thank you for doing what you do. You help a lot of people out. And guys, if you need help when it comes to accumulating wealth, this is one of my favorite strategies in the world. I would definitely go. Watch the class that I did with Patrick on this. Give him a buzz and see if it's a good fit for you. Thank you for uh, for joining us, brother. It's always good to hear from you. Hey, this has been an awesome conversation, Mike. It was, uh, it was my pleasure. Thank you. Absolutely. Guys, gals, if you enjoyed this episode, I've got two asks from you. Please share it with those that you think would benefit from it as well. I've got a bunch of entrepreneurs that are sitting on a bunch of cash because they're very risk averse and they're losing money because it's sitting in a savings account. This would be a perfect fit for that, that type of individual. And second, pull up iTunes, whatever, leave us a five-star review, write something nice uh, about Patrick, about the show, if you get value from this. Uh, We don't do any ads. We don't advertise the podcast. Uh, That's the only way that we grow. And your comments really mean a lot. I read every single one of those. So I do appreciate it. Uh, Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Take care.